I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. In today's fast-paced world, feeling overwhelmed and disconnected is easy, but through mindfulness, we can cultivate heightened awareness and regain control over our mental and emotional state. This week's guest is Paul Angoni, and he is here to talk with us today about the importance of paying attention to the present moment and how it can positively impact our daily lives. Paul is one of the nation's most trusted and sought-after voices to college students, young professionals, and those going through a career change. He's also an organizational consultant, trainer, and millennial influencer specializing in helping companies attract, retain, develop, and harness the best strengths of the millennial and Gen Z generations. In our conversation, we talked about how practicing mindfulness can help individuals improve their mental health and well-being, the common misconceptions about mindfulness, tips on how to show another person love through how we pay attention in conversations, and how mindfulness scrolling impacts our mental health. You will definitely want to pay attention to this episode. Welcome, Paul. It's incredible to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. So a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, we have four kids. So we're known as being a bigger family nowadays. Yeah. Uh, we have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 4-year-old. Okay. Three three girls and one boy. Mm-hmm. And then the last four years, something new for our family and kind of what we've become known for in a way, because it's very visible, is that we all do commercial projects together. So we travel around the nation and we've gotten the privilege to do a lot of like resort commercials where they oh, wow. want a, a real family. And so we've gotten to go to... Dominican Republic and the Bahamas and Texas and Tahoe and Vail and kind of all over the place yeah. getting to do these commercials. And How did so, that come uh, about? You know, my wife, she, she was in finance. I'm an author. And mm. then she just decided, I don't want to go back to full-time work after right. having four kids. Yep. So she's always wanted to give it a shot. Yeah. And uh, so long story short, she got an audition at a big open casting where they wanted a real family. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, well, you guys should come and, and, you know, so then it ended up where I got the commercial mm-hmm. and then we all got signed by agents and then we've just kind of been building it for the last four years. So, oh, wow. That is so, so fun. It's, it's a unique way to do life and yeah. also work yeah. together. And uh, it's been fun adventure stuff that I would never pay for, but we're getting paid to do it. So it's a, it's a good trade-off in my book. Oh, our family loves to travel. So that sounds like something that we would really enjoy for sure. Yeah. It's just a unique, it's a unique dynamic because it's your vacationing kind of, right? but you have a a. 6am call time and you have a schedule and you're, and you're working. So it's a unique dynamic of, you know, like we went to the Bahamas and you can't complain about getting paid to go to the Bahamas, Yeah, but then it's, you know, our, the snorkeling shot is last. And so our kids can't get wet in (laughs) until that day, you know, so it's burning hot. You're yeah. watching every other kid enjoy themselves in the water. Yes. And so it's fighting that uh, I can't do exactly right. what I want to do. Yeah. So it's a, it is a, it's a strange dynamic, but it's not a bad way to, to yeah. make a buck. We recently bought 
some short-term rental properties down in Mm. Florida. And so I travel to go down and my friends are like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And I, we owned it for months before I ever got in the pool because I would be going down there, decorating, setting it up. Like, you know, even my most recent visit, I went down with friends and like, I was like, sorry guys. And I spent the day like meeting with our handy guy so he can fix a few things and then making sure this was connected. And and it was like calling about this. And Uh so it's like, it's sort of that work vacation dynamic where you just want to enjoy your Yourself, but there's also the perk is that you get to enjoy it, but it comes along with some responsibility. So exactly. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't look as sexy as it does on social media when people yeah. are describing it most yeah, of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but still, but still a, just such a special blessing to be able yeah. to partake in for sure. Totally. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your book. I want to hear all about what inspired you to write your book, which is called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Pain Attention. Yeah. Yeah. I Like every book I've written, this is my fifth published book. And uh, pretty much every book has had the same beginning in the feeling that I felt like I was failing at something miserable. Mm. And really that, that desire of, you know, I want to change this in my own life. I feel like this is a problem. And then I would just start researching and asking people questions mm. and really thinking about that topic. And then I start figuring out, well, obviously this is a bigger issue than just me. And uh, I think this is a worthwhile topic for me to give two years, three years of my life, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. focusing in on. And, and it's, you know, the book is about focus and it's about yeah. paying attention and really recapturing the, the art, the skill, the habit, the practice of paying attention to things that matter. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like I was losing that in my own life where I was losing control of my own attention. And that yeah. felt alarming to me and something that I felt was worth, worthy of investigation and writing in, in my life. Yeah. Was there anything specific that happened that caused you to have like a light bulb moment or was just at a slow fade of yeah. I'm losing myself? Yeah, I think it was the slow, it was more the slow fade. It wasn't mm-hmm. that real amazing story of just that one moment. It was more just the settings on my phone, really. Yeah. You know, if we and telling me that I'm spending five, six hours a day on my phone. Yeah. And it was just constantly seeing that week after week and thinking to myself, you know, that setting must be broken. Like, <laughs> there's no way I'm actually <laughs> doing that. What, you know, my kids must be grabbing my phone more than, than, than I realize. you right. know, just kind of making those excuses. So I think it was this, that daily grind of it. Yeah. And then, and then also, you know, it was becoming harder for me to do good mm-hmm. work. I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, it was harder for me to even read a book. Yeah. Let alone write a book. Yeah. And and to do good work, it takes a lot of focus and a lot mm-hmm. of time. And yeah. I felt like I was losing that skill set. Yeah. And so that again, that was alarming. So it was just that slow build of a lot of alarms going off. Yeah. And then and then and then looking at the national landscape and looking at other people too and feeling like, man, I think this is a really important topic. Um, that I don't think we fully even understand yet. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. and so I felt like, man, this is something that I, I feel like, man, I got to devote my life to it. And really every mm-hmm. book, I feel like I have to, dev- if, if I don't feel like I need to devote my life to it, mm-hmm. then I can't really write it. I mean, I can't yeah. go through that process. It's too yeah. hard to do it otherwise. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, Let's talk about mindfulness, which is a part of what you share. So yeah. what what is mindfulness? I know that it's become a, a hashtag. It's a sure. <laughs> it's it's a word that's thrown around, but do what what is it really? How can it improve our mental health? And and 
And yeah. is this just some big idea or is there some science behind this? Sure, sure. Yeah. And I think what your question was, was a struggle of mine as well is mindfulness doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I can't grasp it. I can't put my fingers around. How does this actually look? How does this work in my life? And so that's really what I was trying to kind of pull out is is really getting to kind of a functional mindfulness, Mm -hmm. something that I could really define. And so for me, what that meant is, you know, that was encapsulated in the title of my book, listen to your day is that that's what I felt like mindfulness really meant to me was that Mm -hmm. there are real answers found in the details of my day every day. And yet I'm missing most of them. Mm. because I'm not, I haven't built the the practice and the habit and the lenses to pay attention to those answers. Yeah. And, and so that's what mindfulness then began beginning meaning to me was just a new way to be intentional with my attention and, mm. and to really pay attention to the details of my day and, and really what I was focusing my attention on. Mm. And, and, and I think we view attention a little wrong. And I know I did because paying attention is not a passive thing. It's not something that just happens automatically where we're just paying attention to any and everything because we really can't, you know, our minds can't take in everything that comes in front of us. And so psychologists call that inattentional blindness. Hmm. And, And psychologists have actually been surprised about how little we actually perceive with different things coming right in front of us. Yeah. So I, so I even talk about an interesting video and, and people have probably seen these videos of uh, where they, they ask you to follow uh, two teams, a team in white and a team in black. They're each passing the ball mm-hmm. and, and I'll do this at keynotes. So I, I'm in a room of hundreds of people with CEOs, lots of very smart, educated people. And I give them that the test of, I want to see how good you guys are at paying attention. And, and so the narrator in the video says, how many passes does the team in white make? And so they, they start going and the teams are passing the ball. They're spinning around. And, uh, and then the video stops and I, and I shout out, did you guys get the answer right? And everybody shouts out 13. And sure enough, that's the answer. And so everybody cheers and I congratulate right. them. And then the narrator says, but did you see the moonwalking bear? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then they replay the video and then there's a, a full adult sized male in a bear costume who moonwalks across the entire screen slowly, but you don't see him. And, and, <laughs> I and think the, I've heard this one. Yeah, there's gorilla I've videos. There's different videos that are showing yeah. this phenomenon yeah. because you only, again, see what you're looking for. Right. And so you, you, you've been given a question, which is then directing your attention. Yes. And, and so that's then where I was like, oh man, this is something really intriguing and interesting that I really have the power and the discipline really of directing my attention through the questions that I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. So, so what are some of the common misconceptions? When I originally started thinking about mindfulness, it was like, do I need to sit and just contemplate my universe and (laughs) think through my day? Like what exactly, what what is it not? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't think, um, I don't think it's a vague nebulous or you just have to go into like your quiet retreat center or, Mm -hmm. you know, do something special to get there. I think it's more of an active daily living Mm -hmm. and it's just again, a new way of doing life. Yeah. And, and, And there's different ways that we can, I think, help 
promote it in our life and promote this new ways of paying attention. Mm -hmm. And one is, you know, you know, not living for our distractions Mm. and, and, and really making sure that our, our day is bigger than our distractions Mm, and and that our purpose is really worth paying attention to. Yeah. And so that gets into some deeper questions of our, why our purpose, our reason, why, why do we feel like it's important to get up Mm -hmm. Uh, in the morning. And again, we can really direct that by asking ourselves that question. So when we get up, you know, we can really get to mindfulness by saying, this is why goals are powerful. Goals have always been powerful, but just a reminder of, you know, what, what's something I really want to focus on today? Yeah. You know, what's, what's something I really want to accomplish? What, what do I want to really give my attention to Mm. and pay my attention towards? Because now you're giving your mind a map to follow. Yeah. And now yeah. you're, you're going to be focused again, because you only see what you're looking for. So now your mind is going to be working on solving that on accomplishing that versus, you know, if you just pull out your phone right away, or mm-hmm. you, you jump on the news, you listen to all that's terrible going on in the world, you know, obviously your attention is going to be directed more towards that and all the drama that you could focus on during the day. Yeah. So there's these little simple things that we can do to really direct that, that mindset of yeah. how are we going to live this day? And then if we change our day and we keep changing each day, then we just, you know, we continue to change our life. Yeah. It sounds like that's a great way. I don't want to say like a mind hack, but a great way to sort of hack that productivity, to set the intention ahead of time and saying, what am I going to pay attention to as opposed to what am I going to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Because I can get real good at checking things off my to-do list, but have I really paid attention? Um, Mm -hmm. There was a little while where I was setting a timer on my phone at like different points throughout the day. And I was just, it would pop up on my phone and it would be like, what what's going on? How are you feeling? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. just to stop and, and just observe what's going on on the inside of me, what's going on around me. And it was really helpful because these days, you know, especially with families and kids, it's like, it goes so fast mm-hmm. and you're like, I've been on autopilot and I haven't paid mm-hmm. attention to anything. And so that's really helpful. I found. Exactly. Yeah. That's such a great way to put it. And, and again, building these practices, you know, building these different ways of going mm-hmm. about it, you know, stop, pause, pay attention. Yeah. You know, and even on my phone, one thing I've done similar to you, but on my home screen image, Mm-hmm. It says, do I need to jump on my phone right now? <laughs> and you know, the answer is probably no. <laughs> yeah. And it does, you know, it's almost like, you know, I kind of joke, like it's almost like s- sober Paul, you know, mm-hmm. giving me a message for intoxicated Paul who yeah. wants to just escape into my phone. Yeah. And it's almost like I'm giving myself that message. And that even a simple thing like that makes me pause, mm-hmm. makes my brain catch up with my mm-hmm. actions. Mm-hmm. And and again, really the power of social media and, you know, social media is good and the bad and the ugly of social media, but really the power of social media and the way that's created is that it's happening so fast. Things are happening so quickly that it doesn't give your brain time to catch up to what is going on. Mm. And that's how they created it. You know, things like the infinite scroll, which is just one simple technology that they've created, right? Uh, where, which is like Instagram stories where it just keeps scrolling. And, and they did that because they don't want you to make the choice of what you want to watch next. They mm-hmm. want to make that choice for you so that your brain doesn't really catch up and you just keep staying there. Yeah. And, and one engineer who I, I put his interview in my book, cause I found it so alarming and he called it, it's like creating behavioral cocaine. Um, 
And I thought behavioral cocaine, man, that is a strong term for someone who created this technology to use. But really, that was their goal for things to be as addictive as possible uh, because your attention is money. And we're really living in an an economy of Mm -hmm. attention. Mm -hmm. And so everything's clamoring for your attention. So if we're not as equally passionate about protecting our attention, putting these things into practice, well, then it's just going to be willingly taken from us. It doesn't have to be a, no one's charging your house and breaking in to steal your attention. No, we're just opening up all the doors and windows and we're just kind of letting it get stolen away from us. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think that's something we all have to consider and think about in today's world. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I know that that mindless scrolling can be such a time suck. And even though like I don't feel great after I've spent too much time on it, I still go back to it. And so mm-hmm. that's a really good phrase, not a good phrase, but like the phrase, the the behavioral cocaine. Like I knew that the engineers created these things to keep us connected, but I had no idea that that's really, that they really, really know exactly how it impacts us. Yep. Yeah. And there, and in this, in the same researcher, he said, you know, and it's, it's been interesting to see so many engineers coming forward who created these technologies mm-hmm. in the first place. It's almost mm-hmm. like Frankenstein, right? Where they've created these things and now they're like raising their hand and saying, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Like, wow. I'm worried about this. Yeah. Like I can see where this is headed yeah. and I don't want to be responsible, you know? And so that we've seen that time and time again. Yeah. So I do think it's something for us to be aware to of, of yeah. you know, and, and yeah. I even find it interesting, you know, some, some things that I talk about in the book, but even something like that, the meta, you know, the meta world now mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Facebook's meta. And I just thought, well, it's interesting that in, in the Hebrew language, meta means dead. Mm, and, uh, wow. and I thought, well, that's, that's an interesting meta definition of yeah. what that could look like for yeah. us. If we get too far into this world and we lose a sense of ourself. Yeah. Uh, in that. So we've talked a little bit about distractions and how it can prevent us from getting work done, being unfocused, but it can definitely impact our relationships as well. And so let's talk about what 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 is needful when it comes to paying attention to others. How can we love on the people through our life by paying attention to them and what impact can they have on that can that have on our relationships? Yeah. Yeah, I take many chapters in the book to really focus on relationships. Mm-hmm. Because that is such a big part of our day, and it's a big part of our life, and uh, and I do think again that's not another byproduct of us being so distracted and being so locked into our phone um, is that we're losing that sense of connection yeah. with the people that we say that we love the most. You know, studies are showing that we touch our phone maybe two thousand times a day. Oof. You know, how many times do we touch our spouse? How many times do we touch our kids? you know, our parents, you know, how, mm-hmm. you know, that physical contact is still so important. Yeah. And, and it is alarming, you know, and, and the phone, it, it really is basic right now. You know, the amount of senses that your phone is taking from you, it's, it's not really that many, you know, it's you, you touch it, but you don't feel what's going on in your phone. You don't taste mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. it's still pretty basic. Yeah. Um, but we're missing so much of our real life connections because mm-hmm. of that, you know, and I think, I think for many of us, especially for us that have been married for a while, you know, there's already so much busyness and distractions. You know, each kid is, 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 I describe it like each kid is a radio station being played in your house and a completely different station and it's turned up to octave levels, (laughs) you know, 
And so you're already trying to listen and hear through all of that mm-hmm. to connect with your spouse. Yeah. And now we have this phone and we have this addiction that's blocking that connection as well. Yeah. So even something simple of, you know, how many times do we even look at our spouse in the face? You know, and even something like that, where do we actually pause and sit down together and actually look at each other in the eyes, you know, or things like this even taking place? uh, Mm -hmm. Or is that more of a rare occasion during the day? Yeah, yeah. You know, so some of these things I feel like make such a big difference. And they're just small things that we can change. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, I think if we continue to just live life next to each other while while looking everywhere else but each other... Mm -hmm. I think that also sends a message to our kids. You know, I I don't think they, how can they feel the connection between Mm -hmm. us as partners if they never really see us engaging with each other other than maybe when we're stressed or trying to figure something out rather than just having conversations and, and giving each other our choice time. Yeah. It's so important. That's good. I like that expression, choice time. Do you have any other tips besides just looking? Yeah, well, <laughs> which is which is a good one, which is probably yeah. the most important one because I know we can all multitask, right? Which is not, I don't think, a great way to be in relationship. But we could be cooking, we could be on our phones, mm-hmm. and our children are talking to us, and we're answering their questions. And so I do think that that is a really, really good one to pause to stop to look, whether it's to our children, our spouse, or anybody. But what are some other tips that we that you have for paying attention? Yeah, you know, I think. I think that's a big one. And I think there's tons of body, you know, movement and language that we mm-hmm. give, you know, and mm-hmm. we all know communication is a lot of nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that is, there's a lot of important factors in that to where even, you know, directing your body, turning your body towards somebody, mm-hmm. looking at them, nodding, smiling, all these things that honestly are so basic, but we really are getting away from this in the mm-hmm. sense of doing that. And yeah. then also, yeah, limiting the distractions. You know, every time you look at your phone, when somebody's talking to you, you're, you're giving them the nonverbal cue that my phone is more important than you and what you're saying is not important. Mm-hmm. So you're already really shutting that person down. Even if you don't mean to do that, mm-hmm. that's really the nonverbal cues that you're giving that person. Yeah. And then also, I mean, another thing is just, you know, are, are you, are you asking good questions? You know, I, I asking good questions is a skill and, and mm-hmm. something that I think a lot of us need to practice. So, uh, I even, you know, encourage people when they meet people for the first time, let's say even in a networking type atmosphere, you know, instead of feeling like, oh, I got to give my elevator pitch and I got to tell people how amazing I am. You know, I never liked that. That always made me feel anxious because mm-hmm. I felt like I had to be like this used car salesman, just give, you know, throwing out my business card to anybody who would take it. Yeah. But then I started switching my mindset and, and instead of calling it networking, I called it relationshiping. Mm. So really, I'm just trying to build relationships. I'm not really networking like a machine. I'm building relationships like a person. So how do I show this person love and respect, even though I'm just meeting them for the first time? Well, Mm -hmm. I could do that by asking them genuine questions about themselves. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a kind of a lost art. And uh, so I encourage people to even say, you know, for the first two, three minutes, when you meet somebody, can you just get them talking about themselves and ask them really good questions and follow up questions? Mm -hmm. And um, that person might leave that conversation you might not have said anything about yourself. And I can almost guarantee you that person's going to think to themselves, I really love them. Oh my yeah. gosh, I got to <laughs> talk to them more. I got to introduce them to somebody yeah. like, and they don't even consciously realize that you just got them talking about themselves a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think there's just such a, 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 a yearning, a deep desire for 
that people are feeling that they want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to be known. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's what so much of social media is. It's really this deep desire to be known, yeah. to be seen, to be heard. And so many people feel all alone, which is a strange paradox in this globally connected world that we're living in. So the more that you can just do those things that really shows you are important, I'm listening, I care, whether that's with your kids, your spouse, coworkers, it's profound. I mean, it really is Mm -hmm. profound these days to take these kind of steps and build these new practices in your conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, we're calling them new, but they really are yeah. old. We're kind of bringing mm-hmm. them back, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit. Let's kind of like swing the pendulum and let's talk about boredom and how important mm-hmm. that is and the magic of it and quiet in our lives and, yeah, gosh. and what, what it can do for us. I think that's another thing that I don't think we're really grappling with mm-hmm. enough in, in the sense that I call it the death of awkward which means we're kind of killing awkward spaces in our life. And, and we're, and I call us a cultural escape artists where wow. now it's become socially acceptable to just consistently escape any uncomfortable or awkward or boring moment. Yeah. And really that's just kind of the norm now, you know, it's almost, it's almost now it's awkward if somebody's not jumping on their phone, you know, yeah. in, in a, in a line or in an elevator or wherever some kind of awkward social engagement is, mm-hmm. but yeah, what are we losing from that? What are we missing out of? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I call, you know, I call them, you know, we call them chance encounters with, with people. I call them not so chance encounters because what are the odds that you're sitting next to this person right now at the, in an airplane? or that you're next to somebody in a line, mm-hmm. or that you've stumbled in across somebody and now you're talking to somebody. What are the odds? I mean, the odds are astronomical that this is even occurring right now. So the fact that we escape those situations so quickly and we don't even give them a chance, we don't even give a hi or how are you doing? You yeah. know, it's again, these basic things that we've done for centuries, but now we're kind of losing that because ah, I feel awkward. I feel uncomfortable. I don't really want to talk to this person. I just want to, I just want to veg. Really, I want to just mm-hmm. veg into my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, is that the break that you should be taking? Right. And is that break helpful? And and so it just, you know, so I've opened myself up more to those moments. That's something I've tried to change. I don't like feeling awkward. It's not mm-hmm. like I'm a glutton for awkwardness. <laughs> I'm not really even an extroverted person. I'm more introverted. So it's it is hard for me to to engage in this at yeah. times. But I'll even do things like I'll do the awkward wander is what I call it at conferences. So no agenda. I, I might miss the speaker that's talking and I'll just awkwardly wander and I'll go and talk to people at tables that are selling things. You know, they're feeling awkward because no one wants to talk to them. And I'll just be the person that goes up and says hi. And, and one time that, you know, I went up to a table. I talked to a lady. We hit it off. And she's like, I got to introduce you to the VP of marketing at my publishing company. He's going to love you. And, and that led to my second book deal mm. from me awkwardly just striking up a conversation with yeah. somebody. Yeah. And, uh, and so, again, I think those moments are, are so crucial in relationships, but then also aha moments, they don't mm-hmm. happen by accident in our life. Right. We need those quiet spaces. We need those awkward spaces. And that's why most people say they get their best ideas in the shower because it's still kind of hard to bring your phone into the shower. Mm-hmm. And so you're in this peaceful, quiet space where you actually can think. Yeah. And, uh, 
And so I'm often telling people, if you don't feel like you're having any breakthrough ideas in your life, maybe it's because you're not giving yourself any time and space to think about anything. So, mm-hmm. so I think there's so many levels to why we need to protect these spaces mm-hmm. and not just be a cultural escape artist. Yeah, that's good. I, I I sometimes will challenge myself and not pick up the phone if I'm waiting in line or in a doctor's office because I'm like, oh, what if I just didn't do what everybody else was doing? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and there's so many opportunities that await if you open yourself up to them. And I think that's important. You have to do it on purpose nowadays. It doesn't just mm-hmm. happen <clears throat> for sure. Okay, so as we wrap up, can you just share some examples of how setting and focusing our intention can really help us achieve our goals and have a more fulfilling life, especially a family life. Yeah. Yeah. It really changes everything. I mean, if we take back our attention and we're intentional about it, well, now we are active agents in our life and we are making intentional choices based off frameworks that, that now we better understand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even something simple, like, you know, in the book I talk about, okay, well, what are your what are your soul values? What are your core top values in life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want you to define those, you know, rank them from one to five. And, uh, and I think a lot of us feel like we know our values or we've heard this question since we were in high yeah. school, but it's like, well, have you actually put it down on paper and have you ranked them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a mentor encouraged me to do this. And I found it to be a very difficult exercise and it took yeah. me time. And I had to then pay attention to my day through that lens of, okay, what are my values? And, and, and even paying attention now to my emotions through this lens of my values. So mm-hmm. uh, paying attention to anxiety times in my day, you know, am I feeling anxious right now? Can I define that? And maybe it is tied to a value that's being contradicted in my life. You know, I have a, va- I have a value for family and, mm-hmm. and yet I feel like I'm spending all this time away from family. I feel anxious. I don't know why. Well, ma- well, I can see it's tied to that value of, mm-hmm. well, maybe I need to make some more intentional choices to say no to more things so that I am fulfilling that value in my life. Yeah. You know, authenticity is a big value of mine. So if I, again, I don't feel like I believe what I'm talking about, I'm not really good at talking about it. So it actually trumps my strength of communication, mm-hmm. my value is, is actually overseeding that. So, so things like that to where, you know, as we build these frameworks and we're paying attention to them, well, now we can just have a, a deeper understanding of, okay, this is why this thing makes me excited. And I, I can really see that now and I'm paying attention to it. And there's something there in the values and the skill set and my yeah. story into things I've gone through that have been tough that I've overcome well, now I can really see that in my life and in my day. And so I want to keep doing more things like that mm-hmm. because it's so important to me. Yeah. So again, it gives us this just heightened awareness. So we don't feel stuck or we don't feel like I have, I have a lack of clarity in my life. I just feel like I have this cloud of confusion. What, do, where's my next step? What do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, again, this is this kind of, it gives us back that power and intentionality to yeah. say, no, I can do things and, and live my life very differently. Mm-hmm. And and that'll build that compounding interest, uh, you know, because you're literally paying your attention. You know, there's a, literally a transaction in the phrase. You're you're making a payment yeah. through these things that you're paying attention to. So are we building that investment, that compounding interest, or are we in debt to things we don't want to be in debt to with our mm. with our attention? Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. Well, this has been an incredible conversation, and I really appreciate you being with us here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been an honor. 
You can find Paul at All Grown Up, spelt A-L-L-G-R-O-A-N, Up. He's on Instagram as Paul Angoni, and he's on Facebook as All Grown Up as well. I will link to that, plus where you can find his book in the show notes. Are you tired of the same old bedtime prayers? Do you want to teach your children to pray using the powerful words of scripture? Then look no further. The Read It, Pray It cards will do the trick. It's a game changer in bringing the word of God into your children's prayer lives. When our children were little, I found that bedtime prayers were redundant. I wanted something more to connect my children's heart with God's word. And that's when the idea for the Read It, Pray It cards was born. Each card is created with kid-friendly prayers based on specific verses of scripture. I chose verses about God's protection, courage, kindness, and more. These verses will help prevent fear, foster friendship, and encourage kindness among siblings. With the Read It side of the card, children can easily read and memorize scripture. You can find these Read It, Pray It cards in my Etsy shop. You can choose from professionally printed and trim cards or digital downloads. Search for Read It, Pray It cards on Etsy or go to www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash living in the sweet spot.